Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Naturally Curious. My name is Clayton Law and today I'm joined by Joseph Bogart. Joseph is a student in the Applied Modeling graduate program and teaching assistant for the Math and Computer Science Department. Joseph, how are you today? Pretty good. Alright, let's just start from the beginning. What were you like when you were in elementary school and high school? Were you into math and computer? Well, I, I grew up wanting to be a mathematician, believe it or not, and... Uh you know, jokes on me now, really. Um, grade school was uh, was pretty pretty good up until grade three. We had to move because my parents split up, um, so we we had a different school then. So we sorry, we went to a different school after uh, that. Well, actually, before that, we were um, we were not the greatest kids. Let's say that. So we were moving around schools quite a bit. In Colbert, well. Um, so we moved from Oshawa to Coburg, right? Um, when my parents split. And so Coburg, I wasn't the the best in my classes anymore at math. Um, so that changed things around. I had to step up my game, I guess. And, um, so things went downhill from there. <laughs> anyway, I ended up getting into university and then I kind of got my act together again. Oh, so only after university you've got your act together. Before that, you were kind of just hmm. well, I'd messing say in, around. In high school, I I got my math act together, but everything else was kind of mediocre. I would say, you know, I I really did well in math, uh, just consistently still. Um, I guess I stopped trying in high school, so I, I only did, um, so I only, I I only I've have only done assignments. I I I don't really do practice, so. That didn't work too well in the sciences, um, aside from math, uh, if you consider it a science. That's debatable. It's like you have done the bare minimum of what yes, you consider to, to as... Get, to get to university. Um, after that, I, I kind of stepped it up a little bit. Um, I still don't study, but <laughs> I do do my assignments. Uh, wh- when you were in undergrad, were you a um, math and computer science student? I took mathematics with a minor in computer si- computing systems here, yes. So um, at what year, at what point in your undergraduate career that you have decided, all right, I'm going to do a master program, I'm going to do a master degree? So my last year in my program, I was like, hmm, my grades aren't very great. Um, what can I do? So I was like, you know what, maybe it's possible I would like to do a master's. Um, in order to do a master's, you need a certain grade point average, right? So I decided, you know what, let's, uh, let's do it. Um, so I, I kind of, I, I, I took the courses I would usually take and, um, I just did like extra work on them and, uh, really like, um, I put in a, a lot of extra effort in those courses and I wouldn't hand something in unless I was comfortable with that. Just earlier you said like you were kind of, you still didn't really try yeah. for, for your first couple of years in university? Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I, I, I say that with respect to students like um, previous speaker Kara. Um, I, I don't put in that much effort in, into a lot of things. Um, so with respect to other students, I, um, I guess I, I don't try as, as hard as they do. But it's interesting how you said, okay, and so by the last year, you were like, all right, if I want to do this yes. master thing, I have to 
get Absolutely. my act together. In my last year, I, I had to, I got it together. Yes. Uh, uh, still, how uh, so? How did you make up all the uh, all the GPA that you didn't have? <laughs> like, did you have to retake courses? Um, no, to? no. So what I did was, um, I I just it's not that I I studied harder, but I worked harder on assignments and. Um, when you do that, when you when you put in that extra effort um, into your assignments, I, I believe that you, it kind of shows on the test as well. Because if you're struggling over a piece of code and you know it might not work the way you've done it, but you are consistently putting in effort, it should come out, should kind of ingrain itself in your mind, I guess. But so even in the first three years, when you weren't trying as hard, you still got like a decent grade because otherwise you would have to do some like massive catch up for the last year or have to take one more year just to get your grade up well yeah i was passing um with about i guess 70s okay so so not great um not master program great yeah wasn't wasn't worthy of a, of a master's at that point um until i i showed that i could get grades that were appropriate um for this level all right before we talk a little bit more about your master program i want to talk a little bit about a feeling i have when i study materials that are really abstract both in the arts and the science it, it often takes me well because since it's really abstract it, it often takes me a lot of time to understand it or even know what it's about but sometimes i would get like if i couldn't just just couldn't understand it i would get really frustrated and think like what's the point of this what's the point of any of this this is so abstract that it doesn't matter do you have that feeling and if you do like when you do how do you kind of like do you have any tips for uh, other students to study a topic that are abstract that's a that's a good question that many mathematicians have to this day um <laughs> <laughs> often we are dealing with the abstract and there's a reason for that of course you can generalize it a lot easier when it's the abstract version um uh, the same doesn't work for a concrete example. Um, of course, you can't generally generalize a, a concrete example. Um, so you want to really, to keep you, yourself motivated, you sometimes can break it down to a concrete example. For example, if you're dealing with sets, you can you can draw circles to represent these sets. In some, some cases, you can't. And so you're stuck in this mindset that you have to deal in the abstract, and that's fine. And usually, sometimes it's right, right? You have to deal in the abstract. So what I do for that is I take some time and I'm like, okay, let's push this aside for a bit and um, relax for an hour or something. Go for a walk, you know, take care of something else. Really, really uh, to take your mind off of it and then come back to it. Um, actually, for example, um, when I was taking linear algebra, I fell asleep while doing an assignment with a group. Um <laughs> Somehow, the answer came to me when I woke up. Um, so I really dreamt up that one, I guess. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. I wish that can happen to me. Um, so really, the real tips for like dealing with these kind of... Uh, like, like to avoid these... Um, what's the point of this trap is to make things concrete. Try to make things concrete. And if it can, just take a break every 
every hour or so just because your brain is probably fried after yeah if, if you're staring at something for an hour then um staring at it for another 15 minutes usually doesn't help you know like einstein said i i can't quote him right now because i don't know the exact thing but um trying the same thing over and over i believe is is the definition of insanity so you want to um you know try something else so take a break every i believe some guy on reddit said um 10 minutes for every hour um, take it off because you're not going to be doing work for an hour straight anyways, right? So I have this imagery in my head of what a master program is. I like to think that master students walk into a foggy forest and exploring the unknown with minimal guidance because some of the things that you guys are doing that you're, like your, your supervisor might not even be like totally understand the subject inside out. Uh, am I right in any ways? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty close. Um, uh, I think I believe it would be more um, accurate to say you're exploring this uh, this foggy forest and you're given some papers, and <laughs> <laughs> these papers may or may not be maps to the right direction that you want to go, and sometimes they're not accurate, <laughs> but you you kind of um, you know you get a whole bunch of papers and you take the mean sum of them and see what the direction that heads in and and try and explore that area really so i've used i've asked uh, a similar question last episode to kara and said that well um we really don't have like unlike in high school you can find the answer to your exercise or assignment at the back of the book like we, we don't have you don't have that anymore by by around around master where you're doing research, you d- really don't have the answer. So how do you know that you got it? Yeah. Or um, how do you even like? It must feel really um, like dazed. It's kind of like uh, you're here now. Find your way out. You lose the possibility of googling <laughs> when exactly. you when you go to a master's program, and that's a problem, of course. Um, how do you get around that? Um, when you're exploring new territory. Um, I guess the way machine learning would work, um, if you were the the neural network in this case, I believe, you would take 80% of the data of the papers, and um, you take the other well the other 20% of course, and and I believe 10% of that is taken, not 10% of the 20%, but 10% of the t- whole data is taken, and you would that's your testing set, right? Um, and well, you can group your testing set, the whole 20%, however you like it. But use that as your guiding measure, really. So I guess you can do that with the, with the master's program. You take 10 papers and you're like, well, I'll read eight of these. Um, if I can read the, the premises of the next paper and come to the same conclusions, then I must be on the right path. Sometimes I hear conversation about like, well, is it better to especially when it comes to PhD, is like, is it better to do a master program slash PhD program, or is it better to just start working and get, and get experience? Like, what makes you want to do a master program rather than just not and then do something else? Jump into the workforce? Mm-hmm. Um, well, with the mathematics uh, bachelor's of honors, it's kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not directly applicable to most things. Um, very niche field by itself. But a master's, um, you can kind of change direction a bit. When you go to your, jump from your undergrad to your master's, same with your master's to the PhD, they can be completely unrelated. 
the problem with jumping to the field is there is um well i was looking at ads um for jobs online right and i couldn't really find much without that would not require a masters so that was pretty bleak um so i decided to come back and i'm like hmm if i take a masters it's it's two years so the opportunity cost of working those two years is studying those two years and so you you have more qualifications with a master's um if i get that right i haven't worked with opportunity cost in a while so i don't know if that's 100 percent accurate but in a master's you know you you kind of a lot of people i was working with in the government um had masters and so it's directly applicable to most uh data positions you you can say hey i'm not just an average uh, mathematics bachelors of science with honors i am a little bit above average <laughs> masters uh with the masters right mm-hmm. um you know it, it means you can expand your your kind of mind to different things um it's more of a statement than what the degree itself actually means okay I so i guess the reason like part of the reason why you do the um the, the pr- master program is because it's actually more like at least when you were thinking it's beneficial not just in a in a feeling sense also in economical sense i suppose yeah yeah um so so working those two years i could get promoted sure um and it was looking good actually uh but um you you have more options with the masters of course and uh once once you get there and the two years that it costs i guess aren't worth that much um right now a PhD, in, of course, with four years um, committed to it, would be a lot more. You'd have to look into it more in depth. Um, with four. a master's, you can just go for it, right? Four um, year if you're lucky. <laughs> PhD. Four years if you, if you if you know what you're doing and uh, and you're 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 concrete on your kind of situation. Forty years if you if you don't <laughs> know what you want to do. Yeah, some people are still are still trying to figure out their thesis. Um, I'm not naming names for eight years straight or something. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so it wasn't just passion. Like it's not like a those one of those like I just really want to do a master or PhD. It's not one of those. Well, it was part of it was part of like I I kind of have a passion for teaching. Like I like my um I like uh seeing my students when they kind of like solve a problem or when they get the answer to something it's really exciting for even me um you know i'm not an evil ta um i like it when they when they kind of solve something and you kind of see that uh little little light bulb pop up um or when they make those connections between different things uh you know, it, it kind of means something to me. And uh, when I was an undergrad, the uh, the TAs meant, meant a lot to me. They were always available um, and always took their time with their students. And so, like, th- there's there's parts of that, too. Um, there's other ways to, to get that experience, I guess, if you wanted to go about that way. Um, but, you know, that that's important. Um, the work itself, uh, I also wanted time to think. So I didn't know, I didn't want to jump into a career. Um, I was traveling like uh, two and a half to three hours a day uh, to Toronto in the summer. That's not healthy. 
Uh, I don't think a lot of people working downtown Toronto that don't live directly downtown Toronto are, are, are in a healthy situation. I think most of them should probably move away and get a job somewhere else if possible. Um, I don't like that, that structure that they have, I guess. Um, I don't find it acceptable that they um, spend so much of their lives on their jobs and, you know, they don't... It doesn't seem like they have lies. Like, um, you know, working 40 hours a day, or sorry, a week, um, if you want to work 40 hours a day, uh, best of luck to you. Um, working, working eight hours a day and committing two hours of that to travel is not a great lifestyle. Um, there's nothing else you can do. You're going to be tired when you get home, um, unless you're addicted to caffeine, um, or other alternatives. Uh, (laughs) not necessarily good alternatives, but you know, it's, it's not healthy. I don't like that whole lifestyle and I didn't want to get trapped in that. Of course. Can we talk more about your work? Is that, uh, yeah, of course. Can we talk about it? Okay. So yeah, I worked at um, the Ministry of Labor. Um, it was it was wow. like a for the whole summer, and so I, I was getting positions offered to me at the end of that um, because I was done my undergrad. This was yeah yeah I was done my undergrad at that point, so I was kind of free from obligations. I didn't like the lifestyle a lot of people had there. That was the problem. Um, but as far as work, I actually did. Um, I uh, I was basically like a, a desktop kind of manager. I set up all the PCs for everyone, and um, I also had my own work to do on top of that, but I became the IT guy because I was the only one that actually knew what I was doing on the whole floor as far as computers would go. Um, not that it's a very complicated system, but, I mean, that just shows you how your government's being run. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'd redact that if I could, but... um. <laughs> No, I think a lot of them are competent, but they just don't share that with others because um, once you do share that, you're kind of stuck in that IT position and you become, um, you know, people, yeah, you become the IT guy and that's what no one wants to become really uh, once you have your own work to do, right? Um, uh, so that was, let me just kind of like... Uh, get a time frame? Get get the timeline. So, so... You got your finished your high school. You did your undergrad here, and then during uh, the the summer after your fourth year, yes, you went you worked in the Ministry of in Labor Toronto, yes. in Toronto, and then right after that, you fi- you started your master. Yes. So when you were working in uh, the ministry, uh, the Ministry of Labor, did you know you were going to do the master? Um. I was I was looking at at so um theoretically I should have known yes at that timeline at that, <laughs> unfortunately things don't always go as you planned and I wasn't sure what I was doing yet and I wasn't sure if I would get accepted yet so um uh effectively a person made an offer for um a masters and at the beginning of the summer And I, being the uh, unprepared guy that I am, did not take the offer um, for a while. Then I came back and I was like, hmm, I don't like this Ministry of Labor life. (laughs) I don't like spending X X hours of my days commuting. Um, So I came back and I was like, hey, is that still available? Remember that offer? (laughs) (laughs) Remember that thing we were talking about there? Three Um, months ago. Is that still possible? 
And you still have that, like a, an open position, I guess, for, for a, a GTA and everything. And so I got in there. Um, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, it didn't work out how I planned it, I guess. Um, if I planned my things better, um, you know, I guess, given the circumstances, um, you know, I probably would have done the same. I don't think I would have changed anything as far as that went. So you kind of so almost lucked out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I got lucky there. Um I I owe a lot <laughs> a lot of my uh a lot of that to to uh, to some people. Yeah. For sure. Um do you have a a plan after master or okay, do you have a plan that you tell other people about after master? I've been considering a PhD. So I'll definitely apply to um, probably like three places for a PhD. Um, another uh, consideration is to work in computer science um, because I'm pretty good at that. Um, I have a guy working at a place that asked me for some um, <laughs> some, some 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 help sometimes okay um with different programming questions and i guess i can help him so i mean i might be effective there okay <laughs> so so i guess um it, it just it just it again co uh going back to last episode with cara she said like her plan is to be a teacher mm -hmm. i myself kind of like sometimes jealous of those people who know what they want yes. to do like in yes like it's like <laughs> they kind of like it almost feels like they know what to do when they were four like they already figure out what they really their end game kind of mm -hmm. like i myself don't have that and like i suppose you're kind of like that too like you're kind of like me just like uh still there are many options and yeah yeah you keep your you you know generally what you want to do like you you know your options right and and you know um what you're not gonna do of course <laughs> um well at least you think you do um and so you kind of you pick from your your best choices and at the t time whatever feels right is what you generally pick right um so it, it's really it depends on the person but i think I think we all, if we really, really look down to it, we would have a ranked list of where we want to go mm -hmm. um, and what we want to do. Um, and we we would probably choose appropriately when the time comes, hopefully, you know, given right circumstances. Yeah. It, 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 you think, like, you're not prepared, and then when the time comes, you're prepared. You're just like, oh, well. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it you just so, you just kind of like figure it out towards the you end. Like you, you got three people having like the same answer of seven, and you just got Ohio there. Um, Ohio's care. not an acceptable answer for a numerical oh. question, of course. Um, but you know, that's what it looks like. Um, and it look, I guess it looks like that because um, on social media, which I'm not currently on anymore. Um, everyone seems to have their stuff together, right? Mm -hmm. um, they all have this plan. They're like, oh man, I'm going to go for blank, blank, blank at X university and it's going to be great. And um, we're all smiling right now when reality comes in and like every weekend they're like, oh my God, what the heck am I going to do next year? And they're like, wow, whew, 
probably shouldn't have told everyone that I'm going there because I haven't been accepted yet. Um, and so it's it's really fun though because you you have people that do that and uh, it's really I don't I believe facetious is a is a great word for this if that's a word. Um, you know they're they on the outside they they have their plan, on the inside they're like hmm. I don't really have it all figured out yet, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna work on that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, when the time comes, you usually have an answer. So on the Trent website, it says that your research is on graph theory and combinatorics and the stable marriage problem. How did you quote unquote pick these topics? So um, in the last year of my undergraduate, we had um, a course called uh, Math Honors Project, right? Uh, math 4800 and it wasn't offered previously but um because it wasn't in the program and then uh within the last three years of my program i believe one of those three years um they added it in and it was a part of the new the new curriculum and uh so i could fall in between either of the two um curriculums at that point because you're allowed to do that you can switch um in between any of them where when you're there at trent right and so I, I decided to work on the uh, stable marriage problem. Um, the current solutions to the problem, you know, you match N, when, N men and M, N women, right? Um, to make basically relationships. Um, you want the optimal um, solution, right? So you want to match them with their best matches so that there's no rude couples, you know? You don't want any theoretical cheating um, with this with with this with your um algorithmic solution and so i was like well that's great what kind of solutions do we have and so we have the gale shapely algorithm which um matches all men with their first choice and then it goes down the line um with the men's choices but it doesn't really have any input on the women um until after the men have chosen right so of course i thought that was unfair and so i wanted to work on this and see if there was anywhere to go with this problem you know, is there anywhere to improve on this uh, Gale Shapely algorithm solution? Solution, and so um, I decided to do. Well, that was my idea was to do my thesis on that. Um, if I could find a better solution, um, of course. I mean, I believe people have been working on that for a while, so I, I uh, haven't solidified that as my topic, and um, probably won't. We're probably going to work on something else for my thesis. How did you decide or were like, oh, this is interesting enough or like, or did you pick it because it's hard because it's everyone else doing it or no one else doing it? Yeah. So there's this relationship between um, what other people perceive as hard and, and what you perceive as hard, right? And so you want to find the optimal um, solution to that as well, I guess. Um, and you also want to find something that seems intuitive to you. For example, I have this reading course with Eris on design theory. I think I've mentioned it before. Maybe, maybe not. Um, and the the answers themselves seem really intuitive. You know, it, the proofs are, they make sense um, to get to their uh, theorems, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, you, 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 you said that you only, you came across the stable marriage problem as you just kind of came across it. And then... Well, you had, you had, you, obviously you found it interesting enough to do more research in that. Uh, was that like, 
the only reason? Just like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, it was like, yeah, well, it was really interesting. It's like, hmm, he explained this well within like half an hour or so, however long lect- his lecture on on that part of the lecture was on, right? Um, so it seemed like, hey, it, it, it might be an intuitive spot. Well, um, of course, math isn't like that. Um, it's always always has more to go on, right? Um, I don't know. It seemed like the right thing to do. Um, what are you working on now? So currently, I'm I'm looking at um, simulations and machine learning. Um, so I just read a paper recently on bike sharing, bike sharing models. I read a couple of them on it, and um, so you build the model. And then you uh, approach it with machine learning and see what you can do as far as solutions go. Um, So you're trying to get the optimal amount of um, bikes at a certain spot or the optimal amount of bike spaces. So, of course, with every bike, there's a bike rack, right? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily one-to-one. There's usually more bike racks than bikes, right? Um, Well, it doesn't look that way in Toronto, but um, that's generally the idea. Uh. Did you did you have to be a TA since you're a graduate student, or did you like kind of get to choose whether you whether or not you want to be a TA? Yeah, generally, um, uh, graduate programs do come with the option of being a TA. So, um, mine came with that as an offer. Um, it it comes with a funding package as well, so um, enough to pay most of the bills. You said it yourself, and I heard from other people that you enjoyed being a TA. And earlier, you said that. One of the reasons is because it's satisfying to see that your students are understanding concepts that they didn't understand before. Uh, why else do you find being a TA is fun or rewarding? Um, it's it's kind of great. Uh, just like I don't know, I like working with students. They're uh, you know everyone has their individual personality, and you kind of see how that comes together in the classroom. Um, you you see a lot more that you don't see when you're there as a student so like you know how the marks are going um who needs more help who needs less help or who can help other students if they're that good um you see all these different gradients here going on and i think that's really interesting not that you treat anyone differently because of their grades but you you won't you know who to help and who who to look out for really um if you have a student that is just going to ignore three questions on a course on on a test a quiz sorry so if if the if they get three marks right on the quiz then they get they get their mark right um in some courses so some students will just do the first three and they're like hmm that's it i'm good i got my mark you know um do the bare minimum yeah so a lot of people do the bare minimum and it's like well you can talk to them with that right um so you can be like well why don't you try this one that's not going to help you on a test if you don't know how to do half of the work, right? Or if you don't even attempt half the work and you don't know how it's going to go on a test. Um, so I usually try to encourage them to sit back down and kind of complete the quiz, I guess. And I, I guess it's like, like you said earlier, it's kind of interesting that when you were a student, that all you see is the perspective of a student. And now that you get to experience the same experience, but from a different perspective so it's kind of like you get a insider scoop yeah kind of fun it's it's really so it gives you that awkward um that phase between a professor and a student right there's these tas and they're like hmm well that's like the next level up i guess um as a student you see them and they're like hmm 
these guys must know everything in first year. You're like, you know, these guys are great. They know everything. They know how to do it. Um, then you get to like fourth year and you're like, hmm, well, I don't know how my TA did this. I don't know his marking. It wasn't, maybe it wasn't that great. Or maybe you disagree with something. Or maybe they don't know the answer to a problem. And so it's like, it gives you this different perspective, right? As a TA. Um, you don't really believe everything you see. And um, it gives you that different perspective. What, what advice can you give to a uh, current undergraduate student who wants to, be, who wants to get into a master program? Um, try your hardest in your third and fourth years. Look at the different programs. Make sure you want to be a graduate student. Um, and, and really put in that extra time. And does this always work out for you? Um, know your area, right? Because you have to choose your, your kind of your supervisor, at least at the start of your program. So, you know, know who you want to work with as a supervisor. Most people, so they go to different universities as their masters. So that's kind of part of the, you know, table of things to look at, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, you look at different professors in different um, schools and you want to, the best way to do it is to be as informed as possible on all your possible supervisors. Okay. So you want to be aware of what they have and like if they're good professors, do they look good in the field? Um, how many papers have they written? Are they good papers? Who have they worked with? Um, how's it gonna, how are they going to make you look at the end of your degree as a graduate student? But also, you know, focus on yourself um, within your, your third and fourth years, you know. Um, you, you have a lot of work on yourself to do, right? You have to figure out what field you want to work in. That's a lot of different options there as a mathematics student. Because um, depending on how in-depth you go as a graduate student, you will be, um, your whole thing can change, right? It could be less or more um, applicable to real-life situations. So it... It really depends. You have to really know what you want to do, I guess. And you really want to compare that with um, life of not being a graduate student, really. the uh, You know, I don't think it's that hard to become a graduate student, but you have to know that you want to do it and you're going to be committed to it and it's going to take time and effort and you're going to be looking at, you know, you're going to be at the university for a while, so you want to look at all the students, how the students... Um, treat you you also got to step your um your clothes game up too um you gotta start wearing college shirts man you gotta earn that respect by people just visually looking at you right you have to you have to earn that position in their eyes i guess you know you got to come dressed up um make yourself look good to the students so that you have that added authority even though it's really um doesn't exist um it just makes you look good you know it makes the university look good it makes you look professional. Okay. Last episode, I talked to Kara about stress. I want to talk. I want to do the same thing with you. Uh, do you get stressed often? I get stressed. Um, I I don't really feel stress, but it certainly happens. So I don't know how like how stressed I am at a certain situation unless my head starts heating up, right? Um, I can't really feel that. I guess as a normal person, what if they do? I don't know. Um, you know, you, I realize I'm stressed when I have like, hmm, I have to do this assignment, this assignment, and, uh, these two projects. It's like, well, hmm, this feeling, this feeling of stress, <laughs> certainly. How do I deal with that? 
Well, you have to you have to boil it down to one thing. You know, what's the next project due or assignment? Or what's the biggest assignment that is going to be due the soonest, right? Um, that I need to get the most work done on. So, so that's how I really deal with it um, to, you know, physically deal with it. Uh, you can go for walks, um, run, jog. Hey, I started working out recently. That worked um, pretty well. Have a daily workout routine. That really helps it. Um, as a general person, you know, you have to build yourself up so that you're ready for more and more stressful situations. So like have your daily routines to make you feel better as a person. Yeah. Um, you know, I work out. I'm, if I miss brushing my teeth one night, I'll brush them twice the next day. You know, you have your, well, not twice. Well, sorry. The usual is two times a day, you know, morning and night, but I'll brush it in the afternoon as well if I um, miss it the night before. That's, is that a metaphor or? No, that's actually true. Why yeah, is that bad? No, no. It's just, I've never heard someone that does it if they miss. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, huh. Or if I miss, miss um, um, my workout routine, sometimes they do like 50 pushups a day, right? Um, if I miss that, sometimes I do it at night. Sometimes I do it daytime. It depends because, um, if I miss that at the night, then I'm like, Hmm, I was really lazy last night. I'm going to have to do that this morning. Yeah. So like, you know, you have your structure and you got to keep to it. And that's like, that's a main kind of psychological tactic you can kind of do on yourself. Really. You're going to get this done, whether you like it or not, you know, okay. you, you, you've, you've committed to this routine. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I think um, when you look at people, uh, every individual person has their own struggles, right? Um, you know, every single student goes through something differently. Every single professor um, has different relationships with different people that might, you know, be concerning to them at a, uh, a certain day. Um, so I don't know. It's important to be kind uh, when possible. Um not that you should change yourself to be kind for other people, but when possible, um, you know, hold the door for someone. It's not like a law. It shouldn't be a law, but like hold the door for someone or like, you know, ask them how their day is. And not when you say, how are you? Make it actually mean something again. <laughs> Jeez. Like, you know, if you're just asking someone how they are and, and you don't care about the answer, then that's not really important, right? Um, it's, it's meaningless. It's just like, hey, why don't you just say hi? I don't care how you feel. Hi, how's it going? Um, <laughs> you know, um, there's different situations for that, of course. But I mean, it's important to actually, you know, look into people and, and make sure they're okay. Joe, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, you can find the show notes of this episode on anchor.fm slash naturally hyphen curious. And again, thank you very much for being my guest this week. Anytime. And until next time, stay curious. <laughs>